we're going to be centered in that area. James chapter 3. Now, some of you may be familiar with this text, this topic, and it seems as though this is something that needs to be revisited from time to time. And with that, I'm talking about taming the tongue. And you may say, well, what does the tongue have to do with anything? Well, I'm not talking about the thing that's in your mouth. I'm talking about really what comes out of your mouth. Okay? And the Bible has quite a bit to say in James about the things that come out of our mouth. Now, I know that all of you have got this 100% under control, so I don't even need to visit this stuff, but we're going to visit it anyways, and we'll see what we can take home today, okay? So let's read in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. So just bear with me here. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. All right? And so it begins right there. Okay? Anyone who is never at fault. Okay. Uh, Anyone. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. All right? So he's saying if you can keep your tongue in check, your, your mouth in check, then the rest of it, you're pretty well set because that's the hardest one of them all. All right? Again, I know that you guys got this under control, so let's just read on. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, horses are pretty big and powerful, wouldn't you say? All right? If you stand next to a horse... Their back is about as high as you are, as your head. And you can see the muscles on these horses. All right? And so in this letter, he's showing, using a visual aid, if you will, to show the power of the tongue, of what comes out of your mouth. Okay? And so the horse is a very powerful animal. It's used for many different things. Okay, but these animals are powerful. But even though these animals are in, just incredibly powerful, this small little three-inch bit that goes behind their teeth is able to control them. All right, it puts a little bit of pressure when you pull on the reins this way. It puts a little bit of pressure over here, and then you pull it this way and it puts a little pressure on the other side, and so on and so forth. All right, and and you can. If that horse is well-trained, you can just, with the gentlest, most easily uh, pulled reins, you can direct that horse any way that you want it. You can get it to do just about anything, okay? When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, and the second uh, illustration that he uses is a ship. All right, now we're talking about something that's even bigger, Okay, ships back in those days were big, but these days ships are massive, massive. 
All right? Now, or take ships in verse 4 as an example. Also, they are so large and yet are driven by strong winds. They are steered by what? A very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. All right? So even though these ships are massive, when they're moving, they're controlled by a small rudder. Okay? A small rudder. And then he goes on. Likewise, he says, the tongue is a small part of the body, okay? But it makes great boasts, all right? So it gives the uh, insinuation that there's pride, all right? Even, but with the small tongue, it gives great boasts. There's a lot of pride that can come out of our mouths, right? Consider what a great forest is set on fire by what? A small, tiny spark. That's all it takes. How many times have we seen in California and other different places where forest fires, and they rage on for weeks, they devastate towns and beautiful houses and properties, and whatever they try to fight these things, it takes them a lot of effort, a lot of money, and a lot of time to fight these things. Wouldn't you say? All right? So a big, massive, acres and acres and miles and miles of forest are set on fire by this tiny little thing called a spark. All right? Isn't that interesting? And so the analogy, so we have a bit and a horse, we have a rudder of a ship, and we have a spark of a forest. Okay? Now let's continue... The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. That's some pretty intense stuff right there, wouldn't you say? It's set on fire by hell itself, he says. Wow. He's really trying to make a point here. All right? The tongue is a fire. It's, it's consuming. It's destructive. Okay? A world of evil. All right? It corrupts the whole body, it says. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire by the things that come out of our mouths. Isn't that interesting? And is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Did you hear that? All kinds of different animals have been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. But it didn't say God can't tame the tongue, did it? It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow, and he's still going on. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. Isn't that the way it is, though? Isn't that an accurate description? All right? Even as Christians sometimes, all right, we'll build somebody up or praise somebody up or, or praise our Father in heaven, 
And at the same, with the same mouth, we curse somebody else. You fool, you this or that, or this person did that, or, okay? And so both of these things are coming out of, of the same mouth. Hmm. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, he says, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And it begs the answer, no, it can't. Okay, Uh, My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Again, neither can salt... Can a salt spring produce fresh water? All right? And so he's giving these analogies of what the tongue, the power of the tongue, what it can do, all right? It can do great things. It can do really harmful things. How many of you know of someone who has been, maybe it's you, who has been devastated by the words of someone else. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was a well-meaning person or a family member or a, or a loved one, a friend, and they said something to you and it just cut you like a knife. Words are so powerful. My wife, as she's teaching, she's always telling her students, words are paramount. I hear her say it over and over. Words are paramount. Self-control today, and this is, these are kind of sewn together, woven together. Wouldn't you say that self-control and, and being in control of your tongue, what comes out of your mouth? Self-control seems to be a fleeting uh, thing these days, wouldn't you say? Self-control is of great importance for the life, in the lives of believers, God speaks about it. The world is becoming void of it, of self-control. We see it on the news every day. We see violence and where at one time we would be able to compromise. We would be able to work together. There just seems to be no coming together because there's good and there's evil. And the Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Right? And, and, and they seem to be very polarized these days. And there's a lot of bitterness. I don't like what you say, so I'm going to be violent about it. We see it on TV all the time. The world is becoming void of self-control. Brothers and sisters, that is not you and that's not me. That is not the family of God. Those who represent Christ are not to be that way. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 28? You have your Bibles this morning? All right, just checking. Verse 28. 
furthermore, so you can tell that from the previous verses that Paul is, is a bit on a rant here talking about God's wrath against sinful humanity and the way people choose to live. And he says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. That seems to be the way it is today, wouldn't you say? It's not worthwhile. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my effort to retain the knowledge of God and, and maybe even what it requires. I'm too, I got too many important things to do. All right? They did not think that it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So what did God do? Gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. Okay? They become filled with every kind of wickedness, of evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy and murder and strife, deceit, and malice. Hatred. Boy, that is, it's amazing that these things were written so long ago. It's like the writer is reading out of our newspapers. And he continues, they are gossips, slanderers, saying bad stuff that's not true about people. Can I just tell you a quick story? We had a pastor's meeting Thursday, and Brother Tim Lindsay, you remember him, right? Uh, one of the packed pastors in Albion, he was telling us about um, something that had happened to him the week prior. And he said some woman had seen him in the paper shaking hands with somebody else. He's busy with stuff. And she writes on Facebook that she saw this man and, and he punched her in the face and he took stuff out of her, her hands and then did something else too. He had never even met this lady. And so she's slandering about him all over Facebook. He has never even met her. Okay? And then all of her friends are saying, oh, how, how typical of those Christians how typical, you know? And one person says, oh, it would be terrible if something ever were to happen to this guy. Threatening him. And I'll have you know, a month and a half ago, the same sort of situation happened to me. All over Facebook. Some of you may even remember it. And so slander and hatred and bitterness, all right? And, and it just goes on. Gossips. All right, arrogant and boastful in verse 30. Now listen to this. They invent ways of doing evil. They invent ways. It's like, well, this, may, this hasn't been done a whole lot. Let's, let's try this. Okay? We see this all the time. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. And he continues on. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree 
that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but listen to this. They don't only just do these very things themselves, but they also approve of those who practice them. It's like, yeah, you invented something evil. Good for you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But friends, this is not us. This is not the way God's people are to act. We are to be of self-control. Back in Romans chapter 3, or uh, James, I think it was James chapter 3. Forward a little bit here. Back to James chapter 3. And he gives, as if we couldn't understand it, he gives these examples as a visual aid to help us understand the power and the potential damage that we can do with our words. Now, we visited a a possibility before where maybe some of us have been injured by someone else. How about this? Maybe you have been someone that has injured someone else with your words. Yeah? Don't raise your hand. All right, but I think that we can all identify with that. Okay? I'll never forget. And in my mind, I see this young lady's face to this day. And I remember as a young man riding on our bus, and there was a a young girl there that was not very pretty. She was not very lovely. And she was picked on quite a bit. And even as a Christian young boy, I said something one day that just crushed her. And the look on her face, she totally did not expect that to come from me. And to this day, it bothers me. To this day, with with my words, I crushed somebody. I don't ever want to do that again. I don't ever want to do that again. Maybe you have been in a similar situation. Maybe uh, it's easy to happen between husbands and wives and people you know really well. Those words just kind of, they just spew out so quickly, don't they? And before you can take it back, those daggers have hit their target. And maybe tears come, or maybe there is a strain on the relationship, and sometimes that takes time. We can very easily, with our words, hurt the ones that we love and other people as well. Listen to what someone says. Negative and hurtful words will crush the spirit and build mental strongholds in the mind. Mental strongholds. Let me read that again. Negative and hurtful words will crush the spirit and build mental strongholds in the mind. Sometimes the things people say to us It really takes us, for some of us, a lifetime to get over. 
You know, what if somebody, what if it's not just one person? What if it's, can you imagine going to school or to the workplace and having the people, your peers, busting your chops all the time, picking on you, always poking and, and picking away at your imperfections? We all have imperfections, right? How does that make you feel when somebody begins to pick at those things and make them something that you see? Every day, we, we hear of, of suicide. We hear of, we hear of these things all the time. All the time. People, they wake up each morning to the knowledge that this is going to be their day and every day after. Our words can wound. Our words can build mental strongholds in people's minds that they may or may not be able to ever get over the power of the tongue. <clears throat> you know, if you think about it, and even in the Word of God, and I'm going to list some various different types, there are various different types of words, okay? Different... Th- uh, uses, if you will, different kinds of words that come out of our mouths, such as, if you turn with Proverbs, we're going to spend a little time in Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 22, would you turn there with me? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 21. Does your Bible have Proverbs? Okay, good. If it doesn't, you may not have... The King James Version, you might have the Rick James Version of the Bible. <laughs> I, I just ripped that off from somebody. So. Proverbs 22, verse 21. And it says, teaching you to be honest and to speak what? The truth. Teaching you to be honest and to speak the truth so that you bring back truthful reports to those you serve. Truthful words, words of truth, words that are true, words that represent truth. Okay? How about words, let's go to um, maybe back a chapter or so, chapter 19, verse 27. Now you know that Proverbs are sayings of some pretty wise people, one of which is King Solomon, a lot of it, okay? And um, in chapter 20, or 19, verse 27, it says, Stop listening to instruction, my son. And so it's if, then. Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from words of knowledge. Words of knowledge. So there are words of truth, there are words of knowledge, and, and there's, you know, this can be used in a different way as well. Words of knowledge can be a, a word from the Lord, if you will, during a service that we have. And we're worshiping God, and God will speak to someone as he did Lori this morning. And God will speak to them and through them in a word of knowledge. Okay? 
How about Proverbs chapter 15, verse 26? Proverbs 15, verse 26. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but what kind of words? Gracious words are pure in his sight, or word, pleasant words, you could use that as well. Gracious words are pleasant in his sight. All right? So there's different ways that we can use these words. How about Proverbs uh, chapter 23, verse 9? I love the Word of God because as you read it, it's like you're eating nourishment. When you eat food, your food nourishes your body, okay? And when you consume, you read and take in the Word of God, it does the same to your spirit. It, it builds your spirit. It strengthens your spirit, okay? The Word of God. All right, Proverbs Chapter 23, verse 9. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent or wise words. All right? They will scorn your wise words. So there's wise words that we have. There is pleasant or gracious words. There's words of knowledge, truthful words. Okay? Um, also, let's... let's Turn this a little bit. Let's go to, um, is there any more in Proverbs? Let's do Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting how Proverbs, uh, words spoken, sayings spoken of wise people, talk a lot about what we say. How interesting is that? 18.8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. The words of a gossip, maybe, maybe words of bitterness. All right, you're talking behind somebody's back or you're sharing about someone, a Christian brother or a sister, or asking for prayer for a brother or a sister, and you're just kind of passing along information and maybe, you know, just, just doing that a little bit too much, getting a little bit too deep and enjoying passing on that, that tender morsel of information. But maybe as you do these things, these are words of, of bitterness, words that are hurting somebody, okay? So there's words of, of bitterness, all right? What about, um, or wait, no, um, or wounding words. How about that? Wounds, wo- uh, words that could wound someone, like a fiery dart, you know, that the enemy throws at us. How about... Um, Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a what? Harsh word stirs up anger. So we have wounding words. We have grievous or, or harsh words, all right, that can hurt someone or stir up anger, stir up quarrels or stir up fights, okay? What about Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16? You with me? Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16. 
Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her, what? Seductive words. Seductive words. So they're words that entice us, that tempt us, or, or tend to, can lead us astray. All right? So we have truthful words, words of knowledge, pleasant or gracious words, wise words, uh, wounding, grievous Flattering or seductive words. What, let's turn to um, Psalm 109, verse 3. You guys are getting a good exercise this morning. See? I can hear you panting as you're turning them pages. Maybe, maybe you're just getting warm. I don't know. 109, verse 3. With words of what? Hatred. They surround me. They attacked me without cause. Words of hatred. Maybe we've all been, been at the butt end of something like that. Something hateful that has been said about us. And then again in chapter 64 of Psalms, verse 3 as well. Because your love is better than life. Is that not right? 64. Excuse me. They sharpen their words, their tongues like swords. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. All right. Speaking of the evil, the evildoers. All right. So there's all kinds of words we can use words in so many different ways. It's, in a sense, it's like, if I could use this example, it's like a knife. You can use a knife to cut steak, all right? Now, I don't mean to give you any ideas or get your mind thinking about food, donuts, and uh, baked potatoes, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's not my intention, or cooking on the grill burgers and stuff. I don't want to do that. All right, but you can use a knife for something that's very helpful for cutting rope or cutting steak or you know cutting steak. But that same knife can be used to kill somebody. That same knife can be used for good or evil. All right, and in the same, our our tongues can be used to praise our Father, to lift up and encourage a brother or sister who is down, or we can use our words to crush someone or to establish a, a mental stronghold in their lives of hurt. Hmm. You don't have to turn there, but in, in James 5.12, it talks about let your yes, yay or nay, you've heard of that, right? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to be going and making promises to people that if you're not going to be able to keep them, okay, just say yes or no and do it or don't do it, all right? So don't get involved. The more you get involved, the more quarrels can happen. Just You don't need to, to do that, to go to those lengths, and then you make a promise and you can't keep it. Maybe you made that promise to your kids. That's not good. Mom and daddy's breaking promises. Okay? No. 
Let me, let me quote something to you. We will never have to recall something that we did not say or apologize for a comment that was never made. Let me read that again to you. We will never have to recall something we did not say or apologize for a comment that was never made. Yeah? So if it's not said, we don't have to worry about it or try to make up for it or try to heal the hurt that we've caused. Psalm 19, 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let what comes out of my mouth bring glory to you. May it, may it be acceptable. In Matthew 5, 25, it says, Agree with your adversary quickly. All right? Avoid argument and confrontation and move on from the sparks of the tongue that can cause a firestorm that cannot be quenched. Brothers and sisters, our words are so powerful. Our words... Have you ever had someone, when you were going through a difficult time, maybe you were just so frustrated, nothing was going right in your life, all the plans that you've been making, ain't nothing going right in your life, and you're down, and you're depressed, and you're frustrated, and you're sad, and you're angry, and a friend or a brother or a sister comes along, and they give you an encouraging word, something like, friend. I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. The Bible says that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That friend is Jesus Christ the Lord. But, but the same, from the same source, from our mouths, from the tongue, that powerful tongue that is as a bit in the horse's mouth, that powerful horse. It's as the rudder on those big ships. It's as the spark that lights and ignites a forest fire. Our tongues have the power to do damage or to do good. Friends, I would challenge you to do good with what comes out of your mouth. I pray constantly that the words that come out of my mouth, that God's word, when I open my mouth, his word would proceed forth from my mouth. That his word would not return void, but that it would go on to accomplish the purpose for which it was, it was sent out. Maybe you've been trying for a long time to control what comes out of your mouth. And again, this is... is the most difficult thing to do. And the Bible even said in James that if you can control your tongue, then you're perfect. The rest of it is, is not, as, not as difficult. You can control that, you're doing well. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's just pray together. 
We can be honest with each other, can't we? I hope that we can do that here in church. Not one of us is perfect. Maybe we have a good reign, if you will, good control of our tongue. Maybe we don't, but we can always do better. And in those scriptures we read that humanly we cannot control our tongue. But with God's help, through the Holy Spirit, we can control what comes out of our mouths. We can speak words of life to someone. We can speak words of encouragement and hold back those words that would crush somebody or would cause a mental or emotional stronghold in their lives. Heavenly Father, we come to you imperfect, sinful people saved by grace, by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we know that we are not perfect, but God, we desire to be. Help us, O oh God, to represent you to this world with our actions, Lord, as well as our words. And may the things that proceed from our mouths, O oh God, be pleasing to you. May they bless other people. May we speak life to people. May we speak blessing to people, O oh God. May we be willing to forgive, Heavenly Father, when we have been wronged. And in so doing, we free ourselves from the shackles of unforgiveness. Help us, O oh Lord, to control ourselves, to control our tongues. In your name, amen.